or our practitioners to you know compare results from year to year and I think that is very important and something I really try to do with my patients is you know look at the parameters from year to year to make sure they're you know they're kind of where they were last year um, or better but like with all genetics we can if you know if we're more susceptible to for a condition that should be more motivating to make sure that we're doing more to prevent that from happening or you can not just kind of using it as a like well you know my I have a family history of type 2 diabetes and I'll probably get it right mm -hmm. like, no I have a family history of it I should be doing all of these right. things to help try to prevent it from happening hello everyone and welcome back to the stronger healthier happier podcast we are excited to have you with us and thrilled to have the opportunity to improve together we believe that by paying close attention to our mindset, movement, sleep, stress, nutrition, and network, we can create the life we were intended to live. Here is to a stronger, healthier, happier you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stronger, Healthier, Happier podcast. We are on episode 39, and today is a another special episode where we have an awesome guest, Dr. Carly Brown. Carly, thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Yes, super exciting. Um, so I have been going to see you, I think we just discussed this, since 2019. Um, and a yeah, you as my naturopathic doctor have been a huge part of my um, healthcare team, which we talk about a lot on this podcast, just adding people to your team that can help you take care of yourself. Um, so I think the idea came about because I still think that a lot of people don't know what you do and what you're all about. So that's why we wanted to have you on. And let's just jump into it. So tell us, um, yeah, how did you get to be a doctor of naturopathic medicine? So I started at Brandon University and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Um, so I started researching uh, different um, professions while I was there doing my undergrad and I found um, the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine is where I did my training in Toronto. Um, so it just really fit with the philosophies of what I wanted in my life and what kind of career I wanted. So I finished my undergrad in um, at Brandon University. Um, and then I was accepted at CCNM, we call it. And I did four years um, of study there and graduated in 2016. Um, from there, we had to do some licensing exams. So to be able to, um, to practice medicine in your um, province. So I did a national exam and then I did a provincial exam. So I was able to be a licensed naturopathic doctor in Manitoba. Um, from there, I did open up my clinic, which is the Golden Oak Naturopathic Clinic, um, in 2017, and I have been working there ever since. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And so, obviously, the training, like, what kind of things um, do you go through, like, in, in the four years? What are some of the big, I guess, like, overarching things that you guys would study? Yeah, for sure. So, I would say that it would be similar to a medicine program, so you're still responsible for learning about anatomy and physiology, biochemistry, um, physiology, but what makes it different for naturopathic uh, medicine would be like acupuncture, so Asian medicine, which is a huge part of my practice, um, botanical medicine, so learning about all the herbs um, that you can use um, to help people, um, 
diet and lifestyle, which is a huge factor. So all of these um, different parameters we learned over four years. So we would do four years of Asian medicine, four years of botanical medicine, four years of diet and lifestyle support, uh, physical medicine. Um, so they're all were very important and making sure that we kind of had um, a lot of training in all of those areas. Yeah, yeah I love it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think if we almost rewind back to that podcast with Dr. Chris in Minnesota, Winnipeg, we were very excited to do that one. We were very excited to do this one. I feel like naturopathic medicine for a lot of people is, um, and again, myself included, like not something they're super familiar with. And um, when we do these episodes too, I I always want to make sure like we're never trying to get people to not see their regular doctor. Yeah. Right. To make that clear, because I think that came up once before. (laughs) Um, and I feel like, I feel like everybody needs their, their regular doctor in their life. Like absolutely. And especially this podcast without doctors on it, we're never trying to give medical advice to overrule anybody. But I think sometimes people, whenever something's going wrong in their life, they only have one person to turn to. I feel like there is a lot of weight put on our GPs like they're supposed to solve all of these problems mm-hmm. for us yeah. and even if they are brilliant smart doctors I just don't think I don't think they can handle all that weight and I, I think people um, yeah do need to like branch out so if somebody like when would somebody come see you um, what kind of people do you see where they could go see their regular doctor or they might go see you know somebody else I guess in in the healthcare field but when would someone maybe think that they should book an appointment with you? Yeah, for sure. So I agree. Like, please keep your family doctor. They're very important. <laughs> yes. I always say to my patients, do not come to me with a broken leg or anything. That is not what we're here for. Uh, we're here for kind of long-term preventative medicine. And so often people come and see me when they want a different perspective. Um, when they're, you know, their doctors maybe told them that everything looks good on their lab work or with their symptoms, like they are quote-unquote healthy, but they don't feel healthy. So don't feel well, their digestive system isn't great, um, their energy is low, um, maybe they're not sleeping great, um, but those are kind of the common ones that I'll see. Um, and then hormonal health as well for women. So often, you know, um, during our cycles, we can, there's different parts of our cycles we don't feel very good, or for our end goal is fertility. Um, women want to be proactive about that and uh, make sure they're as healthy as they can be prior to conception. Um, and so those are kind of areas that I often see in my clinic. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Beautiful. I started through that <coughs> that long and drawn out question, but I think that was exactly what I was uh, trying to nail. Yeah. Well, and I think it's like just to reiterate, they're not. We're not trying to replace one with the other. It's. I think you really do need both in that combination, um, both your regular doctor, your GP, um, and then a naturopathic doctor, because as you as we just heard, like the training is not the same. And many of our general practitioners, I mean, I can't speak to it because I haven't gone through medicine, but from what I've heard, like they don't go through as much diet and lifestyle stuff because they have a lot of other things, huge things that they have to cover. Um, So maybe again, that's, that's where they can kind of fill this void and all work together to try to get to the bottom of some of these um, symptoms and symptoms may seem small, but like a lot of like the things that you're saying, I feel like a lot of people brush them off, but you, 
you know when you're not feeling 100% and, um, you know, things like chronic heartburn and things, you know, chronic fatigue. And yeah. I think we like, have a bad These habit. are all real things, right? Yeah. We all kind of have a bad habit of like brushing things off until mm-hmm. they're like so bad that so like, gone. yes, yep. right? I remember my dentist telling me one time, like, he said like, when's the last time you had a, uh, a checkup? And this was actually before I started seeing him. I'm like, well, like when I broke my teeth like when I was like 20 he's like eight years I'm like oh, I got no teeth problems and he, he said well once your teeth are hurting so bad he's like it's it's almost too late at that point yeah so he's like you take a um a preventative approach which is mm-hmm. the word I like that you used where if if we don't want to wait till our heartburn is like keeping us up at night yeah. mm-hmm. to probably go see somebody mm-hmm. we probably um and again I think touching on what you said was when we recognize these little things, right? We, you kind of said, we like appear healthy, mm-hmm. maybe appear healthy on paper, but we don't feel healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be like probably in everyone's interest to be more in tune with those things um, and then go see someone like you so we could get to work on, like you said, the, pre- the preventative side. Mm-hmm. And I know even for like for my mom, I'll just, not throwing her under the bus, but I'm using her as an example. Um, you know, she has a, um, a rheumatic disease, so her body attacks her own body. Um, so her body attacks her muscles, and she works with a wonderful rheumatologist. But the rheumatologist, her job is really to minimize my mom's symptoms. That's her job is to minimize the symptoms and kind of keep her levels at at bay. Um, her job doesn't really include doing a deep dive into why this is happening in the first place or why it might have happened or ways that we can kind of support her body as we, you know, use these other medications. So, um, yeah, I think I was really excited that my mom is going to go see you pretty soon, (laughs) but it just, there's, yeah, even when you have doctors with tons of specialties, there's still room to deep dive into some of these issues a really good point I mean we often see chronic conditions in our clinic and um, yeah sometimes it's just making sure that you know maybe being in remission or helping people to just feel better with their condition and not just like yeah just symptom manage with medications right how can we improve your health even though you have this chronic health condition what other things can we do to help you feel better once you like since you still have this specialists are busy right Mm -hmm. they don't have time and that's another thing that's great about naturopathic medicine is i spend i have more time with my patients and so we can talk about all of those things um specialists are very busy and so if you're doing well on your medication then they're happy to hear that right yeah yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's all of us. And I think that's going back to it's 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 never about putting down doctors or Mm-mm. anybody. It's just about I think getting people to see this this team approach. Yeah. And when we had the the podcast about chiropractors, all of a sudden people were a bit enlightened that oh, uh, like when I have a sore neck, like perhaps my GP can't quite do as much as a mm-hmm. doctor totally. of chiropractor mm-hmm. chiropractic doctor. Doctor of chiropractic. There we go. Whatever, (laughs) whatever the right way is. Yeah, doctor of chiropractic medicine. There we go. Um, Maybe that guy or girl is the this you know the the spine specialist in that area, right? And Mm -hmm. I I think that's if someone came to me with a problem, like being able to recognize, hey Zach, like my 
my back is kind of sore. Like it's, it's really not my job to fix it. And I think that's what we're trying to do with people is to recognize, okay, when is the right time to see, you know, your doctor. And like you said, like they, they see a lot of people in a day and and it's kind of their job to, um, help with symptoms. And they're great at what medications. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it's so warranted and we do need those medications to help keep chronic conditions at bay. Um, so that we're not like having a sequelae of, you know, long other long-term health effects. But. So you mentioned like, and again, this, like they are, um, and I think this would actually help them too, right? Like if, if people, when they need to see them, go see them, but when they don't need to go see them um, to see people like you, you mentioned that kind of like time, like they are definitely tight on time. Mm-hmm. Um, you would take a slightly different approach. Can you like walk people through what would happen if they, um, booked like an initial sure. consultation with you? What would you call that? Yeah, initial assessment consultation. Yeah. So we start with an hour-long visit, um, and during that time, we'll start usually with patients' primary health goals, so we'll talk about those first. Um, we'll go through medications and supplements that patients are on, and then we'll talk about other health um, aspects such as sleep, which is so important, stress management, um, diet, lifestyle things, because all, all those impact our health, as you guys would know, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, you know, naturopathic medicine doesn't just look at a symptom when you come in. We like, sure, we'll talk about your back pain or we'll talk about your period pain but then we'll talk about other things to see if maybe there's other things in your health that are impacting those as well Mm -hmm. and then how do you because often you do have to work kind of closely with someone's doctor like how does that that relationship go like do they um well hopefully most are receptive, but, mm-hmm. um, like you might need lab work or like you may need them to yeah. send information or. Yeah. So if patients have just had lab work done, I'll often, um, just fax over and get their lab work so that we're not sending patients for more lab work that they don't need. Um, if it's kind of on the older side, um, and they have, they feel comfortable by going back to their family doctor, um, then I'll, um, recommend that. And I'll often send a letter as well. Um, and I can also run lab work from, um, through my clinic as well. It just, it does cost money. So I'm not going to, you know, waste people's time or money on things that maybe their family doctor, um, would run or that's very common. Um, but I will not hesitate to send patients for family or for, um, blood work if I think it's warranted or if it's a little bit more on the, um, specialty side, I guess, in terms of lab testing, such as like vitamin D or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And I think it's just, I think it's cool to know that like the, the initial assessment is an hour. So I imagine in 60 minutes, that could be someone's, because <clears throat> this was my experience. Like it was an hour of someone asking me questions and it's a long time to talk about yourself and yeah. go through everything. Like it, it reminded me like a naturopath is like a... Um, like a detective, like a health detective to figure out what is going on way beyond, way further beyond the symptom, right? Because, um, and again, we use use the heartburn analogy a lot because Mm -hmm. we think things like, and maybe you could help me out too with, Jen and I talk about these common symptoms that people have that are, we've like, we start to normalize things that we don't believe are normal. Um, like I, I don't get headaches and that sounds braggy and I guess it is braggy, but like 
I, I don't get headaches. I don't understand um, people who get headaches and then it's just normal for them. It's, it's these migraines are normal. These headaches are normal. These heart, you know, heartburn is normal. And, and, and I'm starting to think, and I'm not a doctor in anything. Um, and I'm just like, I don't think that's normal. I don't, I mm-hmm. don't think we should be, <laughs> I don't, I don't think 20, 30, 40 years of like heartburn and Tums is like the way to go. Yeah. Could you elaborate on that? For sure. I mean, sometimes I think people, um, think, things come out of nowhere but you know you've had symptoms for decades right and that is a good one is like the heartburn analogy they'll be like yeah I've had heartburn for you know years and then all of a sudden you know they have an ulcer or something Mm -hmm. in their stomach or um, major digestive problems you know and their their body has been telling them that for a long time but they've been ignoring it Um, and so it is really important that you kind of um, get on that as soon as you can. And that would be the preventative part of it, right? Where you're yes, preventative. That's such a good word. Going, like I have a headache. Why am I getting headaches? Yes. Or I am getting to get more frequent heartburn. Why is this happening? Cause it is a lot easier to, um, support people when, you know, they're, it's pretty minimal versus, you know, I do get people that is quite desperate when they come into my office and it is pretty far gone, some of their symptoms and it, it is really challenging, right? Yeah. They're almost at a point where they're needing surgery or something. And, yeah. And, you know, at that point it is really hard for naturopathic doctors to help. I mean, it doesn't mean we can't. Yeah. It's a lot easier when the preventative know, side would be easier if they were just there sooner. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's true of anything, right? If you have back pain, it is important that you and go and get that assessed before it becomes a hernia. A back injury. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And my two can all example. agree on that. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I like that. Uh, like, I don't know if these were your exact words, but like we, we kind of believe that things come out of nowhere. Yeah. Is it fair to say like nothing comes out of nowhere? Like, yeah, I think people are pretty, uh, um, you know, sometimes we ignore symptoms for a right. long time. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of think we just it, it came out of magically nowhere. woke up and yeah. Right. But um, I can tell you that that is very rarely the case. Yes. And, and listening to your body, um, I think you use the word like body signals or either I wrote that down, but, but yeah, listening to your body and yeah, like looking for optimization, not just. Yeah. I think <clears throat> it's, it's tough too, because I think a lot of people, like I think back to Jen in her like high school university days, um, starting the day with two ego waffles, I think with like brown sugar and margarine or something. Um, and you know, muffin, like it just, so I had bloating and gas all the time and that's just how it was. Like I thought that was, I did think that was my normal. Um, and no one really goes around, excuse me, um, chatting about their bloating and gas. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's hard to compare how others are feeling. And then when I did make some changes to my diet and then realized, holy moly, that wasn't normal, but that was years and years of feeling like that. And, um, you know, not to take a gross turn here, but like sometimes even at the gym, like I'll go into the washroom after someone's been in there and I think, 
I don't know what is going on in your intestines, but it is not normal. Yeah. Like just, but again, maybe for them, this has been five years of just. And we care so much about your health that we go in the washrooms and smell after. And we, we do a smell no, test. No, but I mean, no. I'm the one scraping up the, <laughs> the shards. Our baseline symptoms for some people, like their normal is not normal, but they think it's right. okay. And yeah. it, it, tell, it takes somebody to be like, no, that yes. is not normal. They yes. have gas and bloating. And maybe that's yeah. the issue is like, yeah, almost like we we have to reestablish a new baseline. Like, yeah. Yeah. so someone having like heartburn and then it's like kind of not bad heartburn today, then that's like a good day for them where mm-hmm. we need someone like you, I suppose to say like, actually like no heartburn is no. the norm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think yeah. we're so also used to going to our family doctors when our, we have a problem, like when it is so far gone. Right. And I think that needs to change of like, Hey, I'm just not feeling great or I've had more heartburn lately. Like what is going on? What would you suggest to help with this versus going to your family doctor where you're, yeah, you know, every night you're having heartburn and you have acid in your esophagus and now you need a PPI, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not waiting. Not waiting. Longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know like for myself personally, through our IVF journey and through our transfers, like I've um, been doing a lot of acupuncture mm-hmm. and someone said, oh, like, like, what does it do? And the other day I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel good and I do it often. Um, so I would love to just chat that, about that a little bit because I we actually did see some success with, with what we were trying to accomplish for me, which was increased circulation. Um, but yeah, chat just a little bit more about acupuncture in general because you said it is a pretty big part of your practice. Yeah, so our training includes traditional Chinese medicine. So that would be different than just going to see somebody who, um, so there's been people who um, get training for knee pain or back pain. And so you're, you know, inserting needles around those joints where naturopathic doctors learn um, the different Chinese channels and we're, we're diagnosing patients using traditional Chinese medicine. So some of the common um, organ systems that are, you know, um, come up would be like spleen. And spleen in Western medicine really means nothing, but spleen in Chinese medicine means quite a bit. So we have like spleen chi deficiency or um, uh, blood deficiencies and stuff like that. So based on patients' concerns or what they're coming in for, then we give you a diagnosis based on Chinese medicine. Or traditional Chinese medicine, and then we'll pick acupuncture points based on those um, that diagnosis. And so for fertility, it is often, it, I mean, it depends on what we're trying to work for or work on, um, but I will pick points that will help support. So if, um, if we're do, you know, doing circulation into the uterus, and obviously we want points more around the abdomen, um, and so again, we are just trying to help with those different channels and support them and to help with blood flow to those areas. Um, and there is actually a lot of fascinating research in terms of fertility and IVF. I'm not going to go into all of that and bore everyone with this information. <laughs> oh, no, we're loving it. Yeah. yeah um, but it is, um, but there's more and more research coming out that is supporting like, um, yeah, pre and post transfers and, um, supporting those who, um, yeah, are going through IVF. I'm not sure if that quite answered your question, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. Yeah. And they, I know our clinic was very, um, supportive and kind of suggested that acupuncture be a part of that process. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I think may our, surprise like our, people, but our very first, like on the retrieval, like, did mm-hmm. you not have, uh, 
an act like they they like gave you the card and had one that Mm -hmm. day or the day after yeah in victoria Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it helps with the nervous system right like calming down the nervous system and it helps because you know when you you are a patient and you're like okay i'm doing something right i'm somebody is seeing me and this is helping with my journey Mm -hmm. and that in itself like just the stressful aspect of like going through that is so stressful so you have somebody who's actually like seeing you on a regular basis and we can talk about everything um alongside getting an actual therapy that also is the benefit of uh, Mm -hmm. acupuncture yeah that's interesting there's almost like nothing more frustrating or stressful when there's like something going on and you're You're trying to deal with it yourself and you don't even know what to do Mm -hmm. or where to begin Mm -hmm. Um, yes even just yeah i never thought of that even on the the stress side of it of just almost giving like yeah it over to someone else okay this is in your hands now i need a bit of help (laughs) versus you like trying to figure it out on your own yeah just the the conversations that can be had in acupuncture sessions can be really helpful um and then just yeah the stressful act aspect of it so just seeing somebody before you go for your transfer and after right so that you're like okay somebody cares like i'm getting treatment this is all very helpful um like we're making progress we're making progress right this is all helping um, you're doing everything you can and yeah so it's it's very fascinating it's one of my favorite things to do in my clinic I quite enjoy the sessions I look forward to them <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like a lifetime acupuncture cl- a client now I also enjoy I think it's, whether it's getting my hair cut or acupuncture or a massage I'm it's I don't just, know yeah I just find I it know, relaxing I'm just yeah. like yeah chatting with somebody and they're doing something to me to <laughs> make me better but um yeah very cool um there was a topic i wanted to ask about because we chatted about this last time i was at the office and it's come up a lot in podcasts that i've been listening to and i've heard it before and i've kind of tried to understand it but you explained it so clearly um and it's this concept of insulin resistance and i feel like just we hear a lot about this these days of you know people's blood sugar um you know, growing higher, people are developing type two diabetes. And, um, I didn't really know how that all fit together. And I just feel like you explained it so well to me and it could probably be helpful for a lot of people that, um, are maybe in those boats. Yeah. Hopefully I can, um, do a good job here. Um, yeah, it's one of those preventative things as well. If we're looking for the right things in blood work, then we can often help people like decades before there's a problem. And insulin is one of those things that has come up a lot um, in my research and in my training over the last few years. More so because I do a lot of training in fertility and it has come up a lot in like my PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome patients. And those patients have a lot of trouble getting pregnant, or they can, and one of the biggest barriers for them is like a metabolic type syndrome, which has to do with insulin. And so what happens with insulin, it is secreted um, from our pancreas when we eat foods, primarily like our our glucose or our carbs, right? But other with uh, protein and fats as well, it's just glucose is the one that would um, trigger it the most. So what should happen is your body should um, release insulin uh, when you take in food. But some people's insulin and their signals just are not great anymore. And so what happens is you take in carbohydrates, your body should release insulin. The insulin is not sensitized anymore, so it's not taking the glucose up into cells. So you're left with more glucose in your bloodstream and then more insulin 
your body thinks it needs more insulin, so it will secrete more. And so then you're left with like a high fasting insulin or a high insulin level and then a high glucose level. If you don't use all of that in that time frame, your body's like, well, we don't really need this energy right now. We're just going to store it away as fat. And that's kind of where we can see kind of cholesterol problems come up and also weight problems as well is because we have this like decade long insulin problem that nobody has really, you know, looked at. And then all of a sudden your hemoglobin A1C is now elevated or your cholesterol levels are elevated. Your body can do like it's pretty fascinating. It will try its best for a long time, but then it gets tired, right? And that's when we'll start seeing changes in like your cholesterol panels and your um, like hemoglobin A1C. Um, In my clinic, I'll often run fasting insulin and fasting glucose, and then I'll run um, something called the HOMA-IR scar, which is the homeostatic assessment for insulin resistance. And it'll kind of give me an idea of what's going on with your insulin in the morning and your glucose in the morning. And often I'll see the ratios that are so off. Um, And so then we'll talk about what we can do to help support kind of your insulin and kind of make it more sensitized before you have to go on something like metformin, right? Right. Because this can be happening for five, ten years before we'll start to see your hemoglobin A1C, which is our kind of long-term blood sugar marker, go up. Right. That is something that is so fascinating and, yeah, that's just more and more research is coming out um, about it. Yeah, well, and especially because um, when we were chatting just how, like, your A1C, so at your annual checkup, if you're going annually, like, it could be totally fine, totally fine, totally fine, way out of whack, and it just seems like it, you know, quote-unquote, came out of nowhere. I mean, that also is important to monitor your hemoglobin A1C over the years because the range is, you know the upper range is six but you know if last year you're at 5.5 and this year you're at 5.8 you're still normal but nobody tells you that right nobody tells you i shouldn't say nobody but not often not often right are we asking like oh last year my hemoglobin a1c was 5.5 and now it's 5.8 like what happened this year to make Mm -hmm. it kind of jump up that much Mm -hmm. did your cholesterol also go up are you having like high blood pressure problems now you know so it's all it's important to kind of look at all those parameters Mm -hmm. and as people again like as people they're moving there's the trend seems right now like the 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 development of type 2 diabetes is increasing fairly rapidly like at a scary level and help me out here i'm trying to work my way through this but that is um, the result of developing insulin resistance. Yeah, type okay. 2 diabetes would be a diet and lifestyle condition okay. for sure. And so if we're looking at the right parameters over years, then we'll often see things creeping up like, you know, their HDL levels going on, which is cholesterol, and their triglycerides going up. And, you know, their fasting insulin and their fasting glucose, the ratios being off. And then their hemoglobin A1C creeping up over the years. It really doesn't come out of nowhere, but we have to, like, you know, take control of our own health and ask to look at our lab work and to ask people or our practitioners to, you know, compare results from year to year. And I think that is very important and something I really try to do with my patients is, you know, look at the parameters from year to year to make sure they're, you know, they're kind of where they were last year um, or better, right? Yes. And that was kind of like, I was... Yeah. Is that something that would be diet and lifestyle related? And then you, you answered my question, which was... Um, yeah, which there, is really there, cool. I mean, there can be a genetic component for right. sure. 
but like with all genetics we can if you know if we're more susceptible to, for a condition that should be more motivating to make sure that we're doing more to prevent that from happening or you can not just kind of using it as a like well you know my i have a family history of type 2 diabetes and i'll probably get it right Mm -hmm. it's like no i have a family history of it i should be doing all of these things to help try to prevent it from happening yeah and i think um even just chatting about the the insulin resistance i think we had said too that um like potentially you are at a stage where your insulin, like it's producing way too much of it, but it is able to get your blood glucose level down. It's just, there's way too much insulin like in your, in your, in your body. So you wouldn't really see that with just an A1C because the blood glucose level will have come down. It just took way too much insulin to get it down. Um, So you would see an increased level of insulin like in the body. And so for people you know, that are maybe in that situation where their A1C does appear normal, like what things might they experience that would, I guess, be a red flag to them? Um, If this podcast is kind of about uncovering the red (laughs) flags that should be seen as red flags, like what things um, might they notice in their life that could signal like... An insulin resistance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, One of the big ones like post-meal fatigue. So after you've, you've eaten, you feel very, very tired. Um, especially if you've had like a pretty carb heavy meal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be a big one. Another one is weight loss resistance. So, you know, when you're really, you actually are putting in the efforts with, you know, diet, lifestyle, exercise, sleep management, stress management, and you really are not seeing kind of the results you would like to. And I'll often see that where patients will have gone to trainers or gyms and are like, yeah, they're just not really understanding why I'm not losing weight. And there might be a metabolic reason, and that could be insulin resistance of, like, why you aren't seeing weight changes. Um, Another one would be acne. Um, So, you know, there is a a genetic component with, um, like, insulin um, and then it's in a, in a roundabout way can lead to kind of higher testosterone in, in women and then thus acne that usually will go along with um, the diagnosis of PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome though. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you have had a diagnosis of PCOS, you really should be getting your fasting insulin um, tested because that really could be a barrier of um, like why you're not getting your cycles regularly or why you're having really bad acne or your weight loss. Um, resistance right mm. yeah super cool mm-hmm. I think there's anything to take away yeah from this podcast because I even I worked very hard to keep up with that was probably the best it's been explained insulin resistance yes and hemoglobin and cholesterol I think my brain kept up with that yeah um which I'm proud of my brain I'm like okay <laughs> lots I'm, of times it I'm does o- not keep up for me yes yeah but if you didn't keep up with that that's okay yeah um but if there's anything to take away it's to yeah, like if, if you're interested in optimizing your health, because I all, I all, we often, like I think we all want to be a little bit better, do we not? Mm-hmm. Like we all could do a little bit better or want to feel a bit better. And um, yeah, to to not just write things off as normal anymore. I think that would be the, the start of, of getting better. And at least, I don't know, I, I hope people... It's not feeling over. It's not fun feeling overwhelmed with anything. And you mentioned like someone's working hard and they're not losing any weight. Mm-hmm. Like that must be just so frustrating. Um, and you feel defeated, like you want to quit. And I feel like 
the light in this podcast needs to be there's actually there's people out there mm-hmm. who are like wanting <clears throat> and willing to help you mm-hmm. um it's the same you know people with chronic anything and if they're not yeah. seeing somebody addressing those chronic issues yeah, or even just to get support for yes. those issues that are yeah. already you know maybe they are like we say like they're being managed but maybe there's a way to support your body yeah um and not while managing them yes way beyond suppressing um symptoms mm-hmm. right like we got back pain there's no lotion out there about to fix your back pain or yeah. <laughs> or weightlifting belt big enough. i've smelled a lot of a535 in my day yes um <laughs> But recognizing, like, is this a Band-Aid for this symptom? Tums, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think people with, like, chronic headaches. Yeah. And I've done research mm-hmm. on, like, chronic use of, like, aspirin and Tylenol and how it, right, destroys your gut health. Like, it, there's always repercussions of suppressing symptoms. It, it only, I guess, perhaps that day or the next day gets better for a little bit. But something else is coming along. And I feel like yeah. the only way out, um, the light of the tunnel is the the naturopath or the preventative care that can mm-hmm. yeah yeah and people are have to be willing to change right often and we're asking you know people to change a little bit about their their lifestyle their diet habits their exercise habits so as long as you're willing to kind of put in some efforts are one of our biggest sayings um, in our you know our community or in naturopathic medicine amongst us doctors would be like you know we're not going to work harder than our patients we can't work harder we're there to support you but you're the ones that have to do the work at home and as you guys would know it takes a lot of work to, to you know to make your health a priority to yeah. meal plan to fit exercise in to go to sleep on time to keep your stress levels down like it is i'm not saying it's not hard but you know if you put all of those things in place you do feel a lot better yeah absolutely yeah. and i think our society as a whole needs to needs to push that message more about like prioritizing taking care of yourself and that that is the norm as opposed to people kind of running themselves ragged and it's this um, you know, it's now this kind of social status, like the busier and crazier, you, you know, life that you have, like that means that you're, you know, doing the most and maybe doing the best. Yeah. Um, like it's not just brand names anymore. <laughs> I think it's busyness is like the new status symbol is the word I was looking for. Yeah. So pushing that actually, no fitting in a workout and fitting in you time is the normal and, yeah. and, and falling, that's what should be yeah, done. And, and falling. Cause you, you mentioned Carly, like like it's going to take work and change, but I, I we're just chatting about this this afternoon. I said like people need, they need to fall in love with feeling amazing. Yes. They need to fall in love with that more than their current love for their current habits. Because we, um, we all, we all have current habits that they're, they're they are difficult to change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whether it's a, a lifestyle switch or a, improvement in our diet it's it's just yeah it's just not easy but i i think if you can start going down the road of like wow i feel better i love this feeling mm-hmm. i should not ruin this feeling by slipping backwards i i should chase more of this yeah. um and it comes down to like finding a good baseline right yes. people are used to feeling crappy and so if you don't really know what it's like to feel good then it's hard to kind of want to chase that um, but know that, you know, feeling tired all the time or having digestive issues all the time are not normal, right? And mm-hmm. so it's important that you get that addressed. 
Absolutely. Um, we always ask our guests, I say our guests, like we've had 50 oh, guests. <laughs> well, we've had some coaches and we've had like yeah, we've had a lot of guests. We've had like six or seven. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we always ask our guests, what's one thing um, that you would tell people or, or give people as a piece of advice to live a stronger, healthier, happier life? And don't overthink it. Just first thing that comes to mind, what would you say? Go to sleep. turn off netflix and go to bed that that is an awesome one do you chat with people a lot about their sleep patterns yeah i knew the answer to that but i won't ask i mean sleep is so important like people like undervalue it so much it's like you thrive off oh i you know only got six hours of sleep and you're like no yeah you're slowly killing yourself (laughs) i go to bed at 8 30 i feel great when i get up as long as my daughter sleeps what's your what would be your ideal like perfect sleeping amount and like oh for me be- bedtime wake up time like if- i mean it's it's a lot for me and not everyone needs this amount of sleep but i mean i yeah i go to bed between 8 30 and 9 and probably wake up at 6 so, okay. so that's nine hours yeah. like nine hours yeah and yeah. i know that about myself yeah. i just like know yeah. that i need that much but yeah. my husband it wouldn't be as much but um i think it's important to find that kind of sweet spot for right you. so if you were to go to bed and you were to wake up in the morning on your own like how many you know and do that consistently for you know a few days if you can like how many uh, how many hours do you need yeah yeah, yeah. that's true and we like, love we love we always love establishing like you like live on an island and don't have a job like what is perfect yeah. mm-hmm. right what is because then from there um like we almost discuss this almost every time like mm-hmm. okay we don't need perfect tomorrow but what are we like so if you're going to bed at you're watching netflix till midnight you know, our first piece of advice is, could we work on like 1130? Yeah. And usually I, people be like, I could do 1130. Yeah. Um, but I do like knowing for people to hear like... Jen and Zach nine just aren't s- crazy. Nine till six is um, like nine hours. And I think we've been working on like, well, now that Pax is sleeping a bit longer, like we've been getting close for that. But like, mm-hmm. we generally like to go like 930 till six or 930 till 630. And, mm-hmm. and we we don't we us like, for sure, it's it's... Um, the difference and it's also good to shed light on sometimes people are like yeah but I have like a baby I'm like well we're not talking about we're everybody talking about in every situation no, <laughs> but, but what yeah. are yeah but what are we trying to work towards yeah yeah yeah, and I think it's like, a, you know, we can't always control when we wake up or our, our, when our kids are waking up in the night. We can't. But we can control when we go to bed often. That's what I'm like. If you can control nice. what time you go to bed, then go to bed. Yeah. Right? Yes, I can hear all the excuses in the middle of the night, in the morning. I, I have them too. But we need to, like, yeah. take control. Yeah, usually we control our thumbs <laughs> enough to, like, we could hit that power button. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's another habit change. But, yeah, I, I, I love hearing that. Um yeah, that was really awesome. Yeah. Um, I wrote down some takeaways from this one. Okay. Just because I, I thought there were some really cool things. But um, the number one that came to mind was like, don't wait until it's too late. Oh. It rhymes. Rhymer. <laughs> this one rhymes too. No, it doesn't actually. Um, don't normalize the unnormal. Is that a word? Yeah. We know what you mean. Okay. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And three, three and four all combine into like, I think we could all do a better job of like keeping an open mind, meaning like trying new things and, and expanding. We, we talk about your like your, your, the team around you or expanding your support system. Um, because I think we get used to doing things a certain way. And I, I think there's other people out in this world that could help us mm-hmm. like yourself. And I truly hope people 
somebody's listening right now and something is going on in their life that's not normal, that they've kind of been normalizing, whether it's the headache or heartburn thing, and they they reach out and book an appointment with you because um, the thing we love most about our job and the reason we did this podcast was hopefully to connect with a few more people, for people to like to seek help and seek advice and um, yeah, just not being too down on themselves or complacent with where they're currently at. I think we can all... Yeah, there's always a way. Yeah. Um, and of course, go keep going to see your doctor and whoever else you <laughs> yes, see. We're not yes. we're not about replacing add to the, people. Yeah, add to the team. Yeah, don't don't team. delete team members. Are <laughs> right, you good there? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carly. Um, and thank you everybody for joining us. We yes. will see you again soon. Thank you. Awesome. See you soon. Thanks again for joining us for another episode. We want to give a quick shout out to the artist Quixotic for letting us use this awesome music. Our goal with this podcast is to help as many people as possible. So if you're enjoying it, then don't forget to leave us a rating, a review, and share it with your friends. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, stay strong, stay healthy, and stay happy.